Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the Unexpected Survival Edition. What? Yeah. Unexpected Survival. Yeah. If this is the Unexpected Survival Edition, what were the other editions? <laughs> how is this more unexpected? Yeah. Slash, how are they surviving more? <laughs> I have so many questions. So many questions. Today, in betweeny 050, Little Mouse survives volcanic eruption, and Man survives fall into volcano. Well, that answered a lot of my questions <laughs> um, and created a lot of new ones. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. What, that's what we do here. Uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the uh, just perplexed Marissa Riley. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be here. I'm also, I'm so stressed uh, for how, yeah. for, for this little mouse and this yeah. man. How, yep. how did y'all survive? Yeah. Are y'all okay? I'm guessing no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, before we begin, um, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. And uh, Dr. Riley here, as you can tell, comes in cold and uh, learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. Um, I even, whenever I see Jill's computer screen pre-recording, she doesn't let me look at it. She covers it with her hand. That's not true. Like it's porn. (laughs) Oh, that part's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, So yeah, I had no idea what we were going to talk about until right this second. And I'm so excited and worried. Yeah. Also (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, today is all about survival because y'all, we've reached 50 in-betweenies and that's a pretty damn big deal. Oh my God, this is in-betweenie number 50. Zero 50. (gasps) I know. We did it. We did it. Y'all, we survived. (laughs) The in-betweenies. 50 times. 50 well, times. about to be 50 times. That's right. Oh, my God. We're going to make it. Yeah. And to start off our survival extravaganza, I want to share a little something tweeted at us from a member of the flock. Uh, and that member is no other than Kissy4647. Ah, fuck yeah. Kissy4647. <laughs> we just became really good Twitter friends, so yeah, I'm excited. It's pretty great. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, it's a snippet of old-timey news from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1909. Holy shit. Now I'm very worried. <laughs> 1999. And Dr. Marissa, I would love... Uh, if you would do the honor of reading this short but colossal story worthy of our theme today. And it's a screenshot of this newspaper article, uh, which will be on all of our social medias. So please come and play along. Do it, y'all. Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, The headline for this article is Shot Hits Bad Tooth, semicolon, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm really excited. Okay. All right, uh, here we go with the article. Quote, New York, August 4th. Gus Williams refuses to prosecute Francis Canavio for shooting him because the shot performed a real service. Canavio fired a shot which went through both Williams' cheeks. (laughs) I don't know why I said that so calmly. In its progress, the bullet tore out a tooth that had been aching for weeks. And in appreciation of this relief, Williams has refused to prosecute. End quote. And article. And story. This is the best thing I've ever seen. It's incredible. Um, It's really incredible. On so many levels. This is amazing. (laughs) 
I love how you're just staring at me. <laughs> Yeah. I am I'm like searching for more drama. This is like the opposite of drama. Yeah. This is like someone shot you and in you the face. thanked them. <laughs> it's it's like exactly what it is. It's like this person I I think we could all, you know, we can all relate to relate getting to, shot in the face. That we don't want to go to the dentist, that we'd rather be shot in the face. Oh yeah, I that's very relatable. <laughs> so. Um yeah, I would rather be shot in the face. Yeah, and they survived. Thank you again, Kissy, Kissy4647, for hitting us up on Twitter. Uh, we're at WTI underscore pod, so y'all can find us there. And you can find more old-timey amazingness at the Twitter account, at Yesterday's Print, which was the source. Amazing. Fucking incredible. And, um, you know, it's hard to follow a story where someone gets shot in the face, survives, and gets dental work all at the same time. Yeah, very hard. But I think we can do it. Okay. So what do you say we begin our in-betweeny 050? I say, let's shell. Let's shell. Into the night. That's right. Okay, so to do so, we need to pack some bags, because we're heading over to the stunning archipelago that is the Philippines. Oh, la, la. Yeah, and for my geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I got you. Let's orient ourselves. Let's um, Imagine Australia. Okay. Okay, let's head north. And if you look to your left, we're flying over Indonesia. Okay. Wonderful. Head a little farther north, and voila, we are now among the 7,600 separate islands that make up the Philippines. That's a lot of islands. That is a lot of islands. Are, are any <laughs> available um, for personal inhabitation? Um, for uh, reality TV shows, which was our Oh, next I was just going to look for a place to chill out. Yeah. But yes, that too. <laughs> I'm sure they could spare a few. Uh, now, Manila is the capital, and it's located on one of the largest of those islands. And it just so happens part of our story takes place a wee 55 miles northwest of the capital oh. at a little place called Mount Pinatubo. Ooh, okay. Yeah, actually, I should rephrase that. Mount Pinatubo isn't little at all. Oh. Today, she stands at 4,800 feet. Um, oh. But back in 1991, she clocked in at an even more impressive 5,700 feet. Okay. How does um, that work? Yeah. Uh, how <laughs> yeah. does a mountain shrink? Uh, yeah. That sounds so profound. That sounds like a like a folk song lyric. How does a mountain shrink? <laughs> Very I Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Very Bob Dylan. Yeah. So what happened back in 1991? Well, that huge reduction in height was caused by the second largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. Oh, my God. That's right. Mount Pinatubo isn't just a mount. She a volcano. Oh, my God. That's right. Oh, no. Yeah. And on June 15th, at approximately 1.42 p.m. local time, the Earth physically changed with that event. Oh. Yeah, let's get into it. Yes. Now, for context, for 500 goddamn years prior to 1991, Mount Pinatubo was a dormant volcano. That's how they all start. <laughs> I don't trust a single goddamn volcano. Don't. That's how all of... We have talked about volcanoes 500 times. And every time it's like, it was just a normal day. And the <laughs> volcano was dormant in, in quotes. Yeah. I don't fucking believe it anymore. Y'all are fucking shitting us. <laughs> and then 80 people, 80,000, 80, 800 people die. Yeah. It's because of the... Quote, unquote, dormant volcano. It's a lie every time. I'm not buying it. 
So, not a peep was heard until March of that year when some disturbing signs began to show. So Told this, you. This Told one, you. This one, had, <laughs> this one had some signs. Uh, for example, columns of steam blasted out three craters on the north flank of the volcano, signaling fresh magma was heating underground water at an incredible rate. Sounds like a red flag. Sounds like yeah. a not dormant volcano to <laughs> That's me. That's right. Sounds like you, it's time to go. Yep. Yeah. Now, this was more than enough to get the attention of the Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology and U.S. Geological Survey scientists. They fucking live for this shit, and by the end of April, within a month, they set up seven seismic monitoring stations between half a mile and 12 miles from the volcano. So they were, they were fucking on it. Good. Yeah. As they should be. <laughs> this sounds... Stressful. Sounds so stressful. And uh, boy, howdy, those machines, they picked up nonstop activity. Throughout May, seismometers recorded at least 200 small earthquakes a day. Did you hear that, Jill? <laughs> say it again. You say it. Say it. It's not dormant. <laughs> That's it's not, do- it's not dormant. It's not dormant. No. It's a lie. 200 small earthquakes I, a day. I like how I'm yelling at you like you were the one who called it dormant. You're That's not. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm I needed just, to take out my anger. I'm having some very strong coffee. Yeah. I just... Let it out. It's just that these volcanoes. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Continue. Okay. So, Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us what other neon signs were flashing, <laughs> giving humans a heads up? Yes, yes, of course. All right. Quote, according to EOS.org, a helicopter-mounted spectrometer, a device originally developed to monitor emissions from smokestacks, tracked dramatic increases in sulfur dioxide emissions from vents. Gas escapes as magma rises within a volcano. So this is a sign of moving magma along with increasing seismic activity led scientists to believe that an eruption was imminent. End quote. Did you hear that? Yeah. Imminent. I sure did. Not dormant. Sure did. Imminent is alarming. Yes. Uh, But good news, uh, it gets even more so. Of course. By early June, scientists were like, okay, we were weeks away from an eruption, y'all, but now I think we're a couple of days away because Uh here's why. Uh Uh, That sulfur dioxide, well, emissions suddenly dropped. And scientists suspected this meant rising magma had reached levels where it shut cracks, preventing gas from escaping. So it, oh, so that's really bad. <laughs> yes, that's not good. That's not that okay. Is the, that it's, is the opposite of good. Let's pack bags. the family albums <laughs> and visit an aunt yeah. now. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Pack all your fucking bags. Uh, now, I'm glad you're feeling anxious because let's continue. Um <laughs> Earthquake clusters moved from the northwest area of the volcano to just under its summit. And on June 7th, a lava dome surfaced. So what? Great. Is that? that sounds terrible. Uh, according, but, a, but amazing, too. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm lava really dome. Excited. Uh, well, according to Wikipedia, it's a circular mound-shaped protrusion resulting from the slow extrusion of viscous lava. Oh. So it's kind of like uh, crowning. Oh my birth. god! <laughs> or a poop. I, so. <laughs> I that's amazing. I was going. I think for once, my description is going to be more eloquent. I was thinking about how there's when you look at the top of a glass of full water. Yeah. It go. It domes a little bit. Yeah, that's oh, before wow. spilling. Yeah. There you go. Like a cocktail. Um, yeah. When it's just so full, 
and it's about to spill it if you look closely it's a dome there you go i love your i love that description it's like a bountiful cocktail a bountiful cocktail yeah. it's a french 75 That's and right. and you said it was poop which also works <laughs> lava dome lava which dome. makes a great name for a cocktail let's make lava it dome. if we have any um bartenders listening any yeah. craft cocktail uh entrepreneurs, people entrepreneurs yeah. um DM us. Yeah, tweet Wait, us. Tweet us. What would you make your lava dome? Yeah. What's in it? I hope it's tequila. Mm. Um, tequila works. Whiskey would work. Whiskey would work. I know. There you go. Yeah. Work on it. Yeah. And we will drink it in our next episode. Or in between. Yeah, we will. That sounds great. Yeah. We should I'm do pumped. that. Okay. Let's do it. Where are we? Okay, moving on from birth or poop. Um, <laughs> like all of us who love to pregame, Mount Pinatubo set off a few minor explosions before the big show. Now, keep in mind, when I say minor, I still mean terrifying and powerful because this is a volcano. Yeah. On June 12th, an eruption took place that emitted a column of ash 15 miles high. Are you kidding? Yeah. For science. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Continue. Uh, Anything you want to say about a 15 mile high uh, column of ash? (laughs) No. I I was just going to express how terrified I am. Uh, That's all. Yeah. That's all. Uh, for scientists, that was the signal. It was time. Mount Pinatubo is awake, and the big one is yet to come. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. I forgot to mention. Um, about a million people live in the area. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you guys. Yeah. You guys. So, Dr. Marissa, you know what that means. Evacuations. Yeah. Please, doctor, tell us what challenges scientists now face when lives are at stake. Absolutely. All right. Quote, quoting EOS.org, scientists had to interpret all the data they gathered about the volcano's eruptive history and mold it into a simple warning scheme. Lol. (laughs) (laughs) The scheme had to be effective and easily digestible, enough so that they could convince tens of thousands of people living around the volcano who spoke several different dialects and even different languages to evacuate. Language wasn't the only obstacle. Quote, one of our biggest challenges was when we got to the Philippines was actually to convince people that Pinatubo was in fact a volcano. (laughs) John Ewart, a geologist and member of the VDAP team deployed to the Philippines. Many locals accused scientists from both the Philippines Institute of Volcanology and the U.S. Geology Studies of lying for financial gain or political reasons, end Mm. quote. Nothing changes. (laughs) Nothing changes. No comment. This is just... Ah. I know the 15 mile column of ash wasn't enough. So. You guys, like, yeah, I would just be like, look outside, like, yeah, open your eyes, uh, don't look at the sun, but look <laughs> outside, look up, look, look up. up. So, how did they convince thousands who denied what seemed to be so goddamn obvious and communicate to those who didn't speak the same language? Well, they used images. Oh. Yeah. Remember, this is 1991, so people still believed what they saw. So scientists hit the airwaves and just showed video footage from the Nevado del Ruiz tragedy. Uh, oh. It was an eruption in Colombia that killed 23,000 people. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So this scared, motivated, informed over 65,000 people to evacuate. And my friends, they did it in time. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Three days later, 
On June 15th, the world witnessed something nothing short of cataclysmic. Approximately 10 billion tons, 10 billion tons of magma, and 20 million tons of sulfur dioxide blew out of Mount Pinatubo. So much particulate was released into the atmosphere, blocking the sun. It lowered global temperatures a full degree Fahrenheit from 1991 to 1993. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just in that area or? Globally. Globally. Shut up. Yeah. And it took, yeah, it took over two years for it to dissipate. I bet those people are really glad they listened. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Fuck yeah. Also, yeah. I was alive. Yeah. Um, not yeah, we were both kids. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't remember this at all. But I, Yeah, you know. no one told me. Probably because I was one. Um, but <laughs> my, oh, my. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 like, clever things to add. I'm just, like, in awe of this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, locally, some valleys filled with volcanic deposits up to 600 feet. And I hate to say this, but nature is going to nature. And this was typhoon season as well. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. Yeah. For weeks, rain mixed with ash to create a toxic concrete, basically, and it smothered everything. Shut up. Yeah. Dr. Marissa, I'd love to show you two photos. And if you will, please tell us what you see. Um, I'd like to mention these are color photographs, okay? Oh, that stresses me out. Yeah. Oh, that stresses me out big time. So, uh, <laughs> and, of course, these photos will also be on our Instagram and Twitter. So please, come on by. Here's our first photo. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, so what I'm looking at looks like a black and white photograph, but as Jill said, it's not, and I believe her. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, so I'm looking at kind of a, not quite an aerial shot, like maybe maybe from a high point looking down at a village. I see a few roads. I see a few buildings. I see a bunch of trees, but here's the thing. Every single thing in this photo is gray and covered in what I'm guessing is that ash matter. And it is all caked. Um, The the buildings are rubble. Um, There are a couple structures that are still sort sort of standing. Um, but they they don't look great. All of <laughs> all of the trees are doing this kind of Eeyore thing where they're like, you know how trees grow up. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. Um, <laughs> trees grow up. Well, thank they, you, doctor. They're yeah. all kind of like slouching over. Like yeah. all the branches are 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 went up and then are sloped down. Yeah, and yeah, everything's covered in ash. Yeah. So. Let me show you a second one. Now, believe it or not, oh man, this was a river, and there used to be a bridge over it. Uh, uh, there's not anymore. No. There is not anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at a river, but it basically looks like mud. Yeah, it looks like a big mud puddle. I can kind of see um, cars. Car? Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's where the bridge was. Yeah. Okay, so I see cars, and it almost looks like they're driving over this sort of muddy water. And it's because right underneath the water surface is what I'm guessing is the, the bridge. Yeah. And you can see it in a couple places. And just on the actual land masses, it's just a mess. It's yeah, like man. a rubble of, of um, structures. I don't even know. Yeah. It's insane. It's yeah. just really, and it's ugh, it's just a mess. It's a goddamn mess. Yeah, it's complete devastation. But thanks to the evacuations and preparedness, 
due to the scientists' efforts, only about 350 people perished on the day of the uh, eruption. Wow. Only 350. That's, I mean, considering how many people were there. Yes. That's a small number, but still devastating that anyone was hurt because of this. Now, looking at these photos, looking at what happened to steel structures and homes, uh, it's no surprise then to hear forests surrounding the volcano and covering its peak were decimated, like totally evaporated. But, but let's fast forward to 2011 and 2012, about 20 years later, when forests had time to grow just a little bit, showing signs of life, Ah. which prompted Danny Balete, a researcher at Chicago's Field Museum, (laughs) Museum, in conjunction with the indigenous Aeta people, which I hope I said that right. Well, together they did a little survey of the area and cataloged what they found. Okay. Now, the work wasn't easy. Uh, Though some time had passed, the landscape was really unstable and easily broke apart underfoot because it was still covered in layers of ash. Yeah. Now, despite this, there was was grass, uh, low-growing vines, tiny plants, and other characteristics of what was called um, early-stage second-growth habitat. Interesting. Yeah. Now, best of all, some animal residents returned to Mount Pinatubo. Ah, that was my next thought, was um, just the heartbreak of, of these animals. Yeah. That their lives were yeah. taken away, and and what now? Yeah. So uh, some uh, returned. There was uh, eight species of bat, which is great for pollination. Uh, there was even some large game, like wild pigs and deer. Aww. But the biggest surprise, though was a resident that was thought to have become extinct after the eruption. Oh, shit. But it turns out it never left to begin with. What? Yeah. Dr. Marissa, would you like to see the species that not only lived through and survived the second largest volcanic eruption in the 20th century, but is now totally thriving? Yeah, you got to show me now. Okay, here you we gotta go. you got to show me now, Jill. Hold on. Ah, here oh, we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah! Okay, so what I'm looking at is a mouse, but it's like a really cute mouse. Yeah, yeah. It is. it's got it's kind of like a pear shaped mouse. It's got a big bum, um, <laughs> and it's got these big eyes and these, these big ears and a little mm-hmm. nose and yeah. kind of a rat tail. But you know that's fine. And <laughs> yeah, I'm big into I'm big into this mouse. Yeah, it's a cute little brown brownish color. It's adorable. Yeah. Yes, my friends, this cutie is the Pinatubo volcanic mouse, or volcano mouse, a native species which has lived on and around this volcano for countless mouse generations. Oh, mouse generations! (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Sorry. Okay. When surveyors placed non-lethal rodent traps throughout the area, 60% of the animals caught were this mouse. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It seemed to have taken the eruption in stride and even grew its population. So how did they do it? How was this possible? Can I guess? Yeah. Burrows. Oh, she's... Did yep. they know? Yeah. They could sense it coming, so they went into their burrows? It's possible. <gasps> yeah, why don't we... Let's read on. Uh, yeah, size matters. Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us what the theory is to how this little volcano mouse kicked ass? Yes, I hope it's burrows. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm not a scientist, so this next part is the real part. Okay. Um, Eric Ricard, a mammologist at the Natural History Museum of Utah, told Gizmodo, quote, It's possible that the mice prefer the ruined but regrowing landscape around the mountain to the dense old growth forest that preceded the eruption, and which will grow back in future centuries if given the chance. 
We're hoping that this is a real bright moment. Rickert continued, not only uh, discovering that there are species of native mammals that can withstand this kind of magnitude and disturbance, but also telling us something about their resilience and being able to become reestablished if given an opportunity, end quote. So basically, they're awesome. They're resilient. Yeah. They're good at this shit. They're good at it. Uh, Yeah, this little species found a way to survive the blast and is using the downsized grass, plants, and vegetation to its advantage. So it's easier for it to get around. Yeah, they prefer it. There you go. How cute. So cute. Stop it. (laughs) My heart is broken. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about making uh, fucking lemonade out of toxic cement. So That's a tough job. It's a tough one. But you know what? They like it. So I'm into it. (laughs) So after the break... We're heading to Hawaii. Finally. Yes. And we're falling into a volcano. God damn it. (laughs) So stay tuned. Please do. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms, so when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones... (laughs) You get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And we're on the doorstep of the home belonging to no other than the goddess of volcanoes herself, Pele. Ah, I am actually familiar with Pele. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So then you know we are looking, overlooking, I should say, Kilauea. Yes. I actually didn't know that part, but (laughs) I'm pumped. Great. A few things about Kilauea. Uh, It stands a wee bit over 4,000 feet. And at somewhere between 210 and 280,000 years old, it's actually one of the youngest volcanoes located on the Big Island. I like that 210 to 280,000 years old uh, is considered young. It's young. Yeah, that's making me feel a lot better about (laughs) how old I am. (laughs) Uh, So according to USGS.gov, 
Hawaiians use the word Kilauea only for the summit caldera. Oh. But earth scientists and over time, popular usage has extended the name to include the entire volcano. Got it. Now, I used a fancy word there, caldera. Yes, I was going with it, but I'm glad you're <laughs> going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be an important part of our story. So, Dr. Marissa, would you do the honor of explaining what exactly is a caldera? And our sources for this are, of course, the goddesses of information, Wikipedia and National Geographic. Take it away, Doctor. Thank you, goddesses, uh, Wikipedia, and so on and so forth. (sighs) All right, quote, a caldera is a large cauldron-like hollow that forms shortly after emptying the emptying of magma of a magma chamber in a volcanic eruption. When large volumes of magma are erupted over a short time, structural support for the rock above the magma chamber is lost. The difference between a crater and a caldera is that craters are formed by the outward explosion of rocks and other materials from a volcano. Calderas are formed by the inward collapse of a volcano. End quote. So calderas are from within and craters are from the outside. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Kilauea has an innie and not an outie. Nice. And it's extremely popular. This caldera is one of Hawaii's most visited locations. So yeah, you can gaze upon its vast beauty from a little spot called Wahine Kapu, or Steaming Bluff, located on the grounds of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Let's go. I'm down. Field trip. (laughs) That's right. There's a very specific and beautiful reason why it's called the Steaming Bluff, and nps.gov explains it thusly. Mm. Quote, a short walk from the steaming... From the steam vents parking area, you can feel the breath of the volcano as hot water vapor billows from the earth. This striking phenomenon is created as groundwater seeps down to the rocks heated by magma deep underground. The rocks are so hot that it vaporizes the water, returning to the surface as steam. The area also provides excellent views of Kilauea caldera. End quote. Interesting. I feel like this could be used uh, for spa treatments. (laughs) Um, but like fake spa treatments yeah. where they're like, oh my God, the steam from this volcano will make you look 10 years younger, That's but it. it's a lie. Yeah. Um, like a lot of spa treatments. There you go. Yeah. Opening up those pores, but not, not quite. Not quite. Just causing severe damage. Yes. <laughs> it's so yes. hot. Uh, so this was a lovely description, but it doesn't really do it justice. So Dr. Marissa, I'd like to show you a video oh. and please tell us what you see. And of course, if y'all at home want to play along, head on over to YouTube and search Steaming Bluff, a 15-second video will pop up. Easy does uh, it. It's so easy. Now, Dr. Marissa, please tell us what you see. Okay, before we get started, yeah. I just want to say what I see, the, the first image is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I see kind of like like a, a grassy area, but then there's this grassy valley. Yeah. And it is just completely full with... Um, Steam. Yeah. It's it's stunning. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna play. Here we go. Oh wow. Okay. This is incredible. Okay, so from this valley, um, and is that the actual caldera? Yeah. Okay, so from the caldera, which we just talked about, steam is rising and it it, it looks like um steam coming off of like a, a boiling 
uh, pot of noodles or something. Yeah. And it's just so magical. I'm like waiting for a unicorn to just sort of <laughs> dash out of there. Um, and yeah, and also the sky is a little gray, but I don't know if that was the weather, if that's part of this. So yeah, it's just, it's just really mad. Like you said, magical. Like you, it, it does seems like something will rise up out of that gaping hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, like a wizard yeah. or, I don't know, uh, the barefoot Contessa or something like that. <laughs> so also, I don't know if you noticed this, noticed this, but it's easy to miss because the location is just so damn beautiful. Uh, but there was a tiny metal barrier yeah. along the edge of the bluff that protects people slash prohibits you from going any farther uh, because, well, it's a goddamn bluff. It, it's a cliff. Yeah. It's a cliff that has about a 300-foot drop. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not like... <laughs> it's a good thing because it, if you watch the video, you would just keep walking. Yeah, and then it just, like, disappears. Yeah, you, and you... Because you can't see the bottom, which is, uh, I'm guessing, very deep. Yeah. And, yeah, you just would have no idea. Exactly. So with this barrier and that steep drop, that wasn't enough to deter one man from getting a closer view. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Let's head on back to the year no one remembers, 2019. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> That's right. I don't know what we did. No. What did we do? I don't know. Uh, it's another painfully beautiful evening in the painfully beautiful month of May when a 32-year-old soldier was on break from his training exercises at Schofield Barracks uh, and was indulging in the sights of Steaming Bluff. Aww. Now, according to the press release, published by nps.gov. It was around 6.30 when the unnamed gentleman climbed over the railing. Bad idea. And, you guessed it, lost his footing. Yeah, probably because there's steam everywhere and you can't see the fucking ground, dude. <laughs> so, Sorry. Yeah, this guy is super lucky for a number of reasons. Uh, like we said, this is a popular spot, so an eyewitness was there to see him fall, which must have been, must have, like, it must have been so fucking scary to see him someone fall into this thing you would literally be like you'd be like walking and then you would just disappear yes that's exactly what yeah. it would look like yeah. oh i'd be so nervous yeah. and they notified authorities uh a three-hour search <gasps> ensued dr marissa would you please tell us as noted in the press release where he was found and how he was rescued of course of course all right quote at approximately 9 p.m the man was found alive but seriously injured on a narrow ledge about 70 feet down from the cliff edge rescued personnel successfully uh, rescue personnel successfully uh, completed a high angle extrition extra extrication boom boom nailed it <laughs> using ropes and stokes litter also known as a rescue blanket and with support from a department of defense helicopter <laughs> the man was airlifted to Hilo medical center for urgent care and quote okay yeah. considering how deep this thing is Falling yeah. 70 feet ain't that bad, but also it's falling 70 feet. Yes. Lucky, lucky fucking person. Lucky son of a bitch. That he landed on that ledge. My God. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, using ropes and a uh, rescue basket. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he was embarrassed, especially when the uh, helicopter came no. by. But yeah, he is for sure lucky, like you said, randomly falling onto a ledge that broke his fall and saving him from a full... 300-foot drop onto magma-heated rocks. So, dude would have been dead. I don't know. If I had saw that guy fall, I would just, I would call the cops and be like, look, someone died. Um, <laughs> I, there's no easy way to say this. 
I don't even think I don't even know if we can find them. Yeah. Uh, they're they're probably ash by now. But it's, just wanted to let you know. Yeah. That that it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Someone's it's gone. Gonna, it's gonna be a tough day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm happy to say he was in stable condition by the next day, but. This still prompted a public statement from John Broward, chief ranger at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Quote, visitors should never cross safety barriers, especially around dangerous and destabilized cliff edges. Yeah. End quote. So, yeah, it's true, folks. You can die. And at the very least, you're going to piss off Pele. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Pele. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> Yeah. And uh, also, if you're curious what does happen to your body if you fall into a volcano, we did cover this way back in episode 020. So scroll on back and uh, you can hear us discuss uh, human sacrifice. And uh, I remember it well. Yeah, that was uh, we rang in the new year with uh, human sacrifices. Good times. Yeah. Scroll on back. Have a listen as to what happens to the gases in your body. <laughs> so. Yeah, a, a fun fun uh fun teaser. It it's bad. Yeah. Um but yeah, some vintage WTI. I mm. might do that tonight. Sounds oh. like fun. Glass of wine. That's right. Maybe love a little it. lava dome cocktail. Ooh, we're going to need that lava dome cocktail soon, yeah. y'all. So please contact us and stay interesting. Please do.